and welcome back to Fox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Helen Drum Hannah Rogers. How's it going, Hannah? Good. Everything's great. <laughs> I've, I spent my morning at Sherwin-Williams, where I asked intelligent questions and Ooh. sounded like I knew what I was talking about, so... Nope. We've never said, are you going to say why you were at Sherwin-Williams or is it, or am I editing this out? I'm going to live in a house now. No. <laughs> you're gonna, as opposed to the box that you're not going to live in, in a house now. You've been living in a house. <laughs> like, you're, you're going to live in a special house, a, a different house than where you are currently living because you live in a house now, don't you? Yes. Well, a townhouse. I will transition from the life of a renter into the life of a Yay. responsible person. <laughs> it's not that responsible. I've owned this home for 18 years. <laughs> you're going to be landed gentry. Is that what you're saying? Well, I did buy a velvet couch. So maybe. <laughs> That's all. Congratulations. I've, well, I, which I've said to you many times before, but like Thank uh, you. officially on the air. Congratulations. And that's where you've been unavailable for several weeks because you've been dealing with that. And it's been, and it's all, it's been fun to watch. So I mean, I've been li- living vicariously through you. It's really awesome when your friend buys a house rather than when you buy it yourself. Cause when you buy a house yourself, so much stress and pain when your friend buys a house, it's like, Oh, I remember to do that. Congratulations. And it's so fun to watch. And like, I don't have to deal like, like my experience is just like hearing Hannah talk about it rather than having to, you know, do any of the stuff myself, which, which sucked when I had to do those things, you know, 15 years ago. So it's cool. Yeah. yeah I don't ever want to move. I haven't <laughs> even moved in yet. <laughs> I'm done. Yes. I mean, I often, we have dreams of getting an, a nicer house. Nothing's wrong with our house. We actually love our house, but we have dreams of that. But then it's just thinking, Oh, everything that we'd have to go through is just like, <laughs> no. I'll just say, I'll just say this HGTV undersold the experience of what it means to like buy a house. Oh, so. <laughs> but congratulations once again that's not at all what we're talking about but, no, <laughs> and we're not talking about the movie that like i wonder if people think that maybe we're talking about spider-man i saw spider-man last night please I, rub the salt in the wound i you i'm not going to spoil it i will say that you will enjoy it i know you well enough to know that you're going to very much enjoy this film you're also going to enjoy as we listen to this but not as we record we've not yet updated our box office results but oh Hannah, yes we have already, oh, oh did you because you were already in the lead and you're going to be way in the lead by the time by the time this this episode drops on monday so that's um, i am i am currently in the lead and this is not a final total but i'm currently in the lead by like a hundred thousand not a hundred yeah a hundred thousand or so we were neck and neck before this week and i think i was up by like six million dollars or something so you're so, so yeah. So congratulations. And it's just going to, it's just going to pour in lots of money, but we're not talking about Spider-Man this week. What are we talking about? We are talking about the little mermaid the other movie that's helped send me <laughs> which, to the top, which I've not seen yet. I've not seen little mermaid yet. But Mav, so, it's your favorite. I know. Well, I've seen the original little mermaid, but I've not seen the remake. I tried to see it last night, but I've been doing some other home repair myself. So after I was done doing the things that I needed to do, there were no more showings of Little Mermaid at the movie theater because because for some reason they don't do 10 p.m. showings of Little Mermaid. I'm not sure why. So instead I saw Spider-Man. 
it. But uh, but I'm going to see it soon because I actually am looking forward to it. But we're not, we're going to talk about Little Mermaid and other Disney remakes. Is that right? Yeah, I honestly don't remember pitching this episode or telling <laughs> you my thoughts. Or I don't even think they were my thoughts. I think they were just provocative questions that like people <laughs> have been asking about like re- like these Disney remakes because you know it's like are they like like are they just shot by home. shot things? Yeah, out of home buying. So like you probably forgot off everything. So yeah, and then after this episode, I'll disappear again. So listen to me while you can. <laughs> well, anyway, okay. So we have a guest. So welcome back, Corinne Matthews. Hey, Corinne. Hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> so for for listeners who don't remember, Corinne is one of the hosts of our of our friends over at Sex, Love, and Literature, another podcast. And I posted that uh, that we're going to do this episode because Hannah was too busy to write the blog with Diana House. <laughs> And then, like, Corinne immediately, like, literally, I mean, I think the post had been up, like, 30 seconds when you hit, like, I'm like, oh, okay, you want to come on? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I am also, don't tell my advisor I'm here, because I have to send my dissertation to my committee next week, so I was probably procrastinating. That is probably what was happening. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, so you've also not seen Little Mermaid yet, either, because (laughs) you are defending your dissertation in a month? Yeah, my defense is scheduled for June 30th. So barring okay. some catastrophe, that is when that's happening. Yeah. That's so exciting. It is. <laughs> but also, <laughs> okay, so yeah. I guess, well, no, I guess now that Hannah is done buying the home, even though you haven't moved into it, I was going to say I was the only person who's done both the dissertation and bought a house before. But like, yes, you now that you've bought a house, but you're not, but you're in the process of moving. They are the two most stressful things that I've, the two of them are the most stressful things that I've ever done in my life. So I feel for you as well. Yeah, it's, I did, so I did figure out that actually the best thing that I have found that the Disney remakes are good for is having them on in the background while I do the formatting for my dissertation. Because they're actually great to listen to, because I was not actually watching them. But yeah, if yeah. you have the Disney Plus, it, that is an awesome feature because they are, other than Little Mermaid, which is in theaters now, they're all just available, right? Like you can just listen to any um, of them whenever you want. Well, actually, what? I mean, let me double check because <laughs> most of them are. That is correct. But mm-hmm. at the 2015 one point, Cinderella is not on Disney yes. Plus, I discovered. Yes. <sighs> and that upsets me because it's the best one. It is. Yeah, agreed. I do really like The Little Mermaid. Like I cried watching The Little Mermaid last week like because I was both excited by it and also like to take a break from home stuff while I could mm-hmm. and it's very good like I, I I really liked it I like to think that I know I'm not the key demographic because like there were little girls dressed up as like you know, mermaids <laughs> and princesses in the theater and it's super cute but I also think I'm like a sliver of the demographic because I was a child of the 90s watching this movie mm-hmm. on VHS over and over again so they want my nostalgia dollars mm-hmm. and I was happy to give it to them because part of your world made me cry and i was looking for a good romantic movie because queen charlotte i binged that and (laughs) you know they really play up the romance angle in this one Mm -hmm. and like a like i think the thing about cinderella that made it so good when they read it in 2015 was they actually bothered to like have it be a romance that wasn't just like plot you get married to a prince because and you know some other like filling out details and the little mermaid does this too we like their relationship like it makes sense why she really? wants to be with him yeah it's not just because I mean, classically and i've talked about this just for the listeners 
The original Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney movie. I adore the original Little Mermaid. But even even going on our friends at Disney Animation Men and Essentials when they did their made, and I said this when I was on there, uh, logic, the logic and the plot, not great. Like Ariel's motivation for, you know, it's not even like Romeo and Juliet. You've known this person for a day. Why are you marrying them? It's a she saw him from afar. You know, she was <laughs> she rescued him from drowning. And that was it. They don't know each other at all. Yeah. She's like, like, and so you're saying yeah. it's better than that. Yeah. So like the original, because I've rewatched it recently, they really act like Ariel's never seen a man at all right. before, which makes no sense <laughs> because like she's interacting with plenty of merman. Like, like it, it legs. Does, it, legs are hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically that is true for her in this, in the 1989 <laughs> version. Yes. But like, this like makes it make more sense. And it also finds like little moments. I'll say without spoiling some of the changes, but it finds like little moments to um, really show why she's interested in him and also why he's interested in her beyond like he's just spending time with her because he's you know bored and looking for this other girl who can sing and i also really liked how this movie even more than the original played up some of the mermaid sea creature lore so so i think there's a lot to like in this movie i thought that like most of the new songs were really good i realized as people on the internet have pointed out i was not the demographic for the song i did not enjoy So that's fine. But uh, yeah, I and I, I just I think all the critics are right that Halle Bailey like like just carries this movie, sells everything like the actor who plays Eric is pretty good too. Melissa McCarthy also like does a nice job. And so I enjoyed it. Like a lot of people said it was a shot by shot remake. And I went in like, is it though? But no, it wasn't. It, okay. I thought it was a good time and it didn't feel too long, even though it is a bit longer. Well, so so you recommend we see it. This is a, that was a pretty good non-spoiler yeah. review. We recommend yeah, we see two, it. Two thumbs up. And like, I do think that there's room for both The Little Mermaid and Spider-Man. Says someone who loves Spider-Man more than anything. Um, someone who has both movies on the box office game. You don't need any more money, Hannah. <laughs> no, it's, no, these are just like things I... Also, it's like 1989 is like coming back to the box office. We have Little Mermaid. We have Indiana Jones. <laughs> what is happening with this year? I'll, I will say, instead of watching Disney remakes on Disney+, Plus, I have been watching the animated Spider-Man from the 1990s because I used oh. to love it as a kid. And it just would blow my like kid mind that I wouldn't be glued to the television. And if I miss it but no i could carry around a device in my pocket and watch any episode i wanted at any time on a tiny little <laughs> screen it's amazing life is life just comes at you fast can you tell i'm really tired and just stream of consciousness <laughs> so okay you did make a point that like is what i really wanted to talk about today because you know, i've not seen it. i can't add to Hannah's review. Corinne's not seen it, but you did bring up the, is it a shot for shot remake or not? And I mean, I think that's a good place to start because we're not really discussing Little Mermaid in and of itself. We're talking about the idea of this proliferation of Disney live. I'm going to put live action in quotes, the live action ish remakes because, you know, Lion King's one of them. And why, <laughs> you know, or should they be? Or I mean, Han- Hannah, when you and I know you said you don't remember it, but you had like questions that you posed. And I started thinking about them when I wrote the call for comments blog. But also just in general, <laughs> you sort of answered this implicitly in asking your questions. Is there a reason for this beyond the shameless cash grab? And no, there's no reason beyond this beyond a shameless cash grab. But I think it can be more than that. I don't think that shameless cash grabs are necessarily even bad. If people want the thing that you're nostalgia-ing, I think that's inherently a good thing. But also, I think you can do more than just 
you know, make a thing and then there and then it's there and then you're done, which is why some of them have failed utterly. So the way I was looking at this and I guess getting ready for this episode, I went on Disney Plus and was like, all right, which ones do I want to watch? And the mm-hmm. two. Well, so the category they have them on is reimagined classics. OK. On Disney Plus. <laughs> so then they also have movies like Ever After on there and things that like aren't Disney, huh. but they have the streaming rights for. But so I. OK. This is a little bit of a like messy answer, but I was very kind of delighted to see the live action remake of 101 Dalmatians, which I remember loving the, as a kid. Glenn Close one from yeah, I that, like a couple months ago. And like I had not thought about it in years, but like that really sort of brought to my attention the difference between having like puppies that they were filming with and like the CGI lions and other things that they're doing with the Lion King. So even though mm-hmm. they're like, quote unquote, live action, I don't know, I guess like the for me, like when I was a kid watching 101 Dalmatians, I wanted the puppies like that's what I was there for. And I don't know if I was a kid, if like the fake lions would do it for me in the same way. So like, what are they doing it to like show off? What are they trying to show off if they're like using different technology or like making adaptation choices? So I guess there's a question there, both of narrative changes and of like technology and maybe medium changes. I mean, I do think that we are going by this terms. You can artistically justify some of these remakes by tweaks they want to make to the story that like make them more, I'll go with the word contemporary, like <laughs> like Little Mermaid. They have publicly said that they have changed some of the dialogue and lyrics and staging to emphasize consent. And like they, you can definitely tell that there have been some other narrative changes in that movie that make this more aerial story and emphasize different things than the original did. So I think that that can be important. You can, you know, it's like the, it's like, this is a weird comparison. It's like the musical Oklahoma. (laughs) I'll just go ahead and say like there, there's my, my sister actually just went to London and saw the new version, but in in recent past there, they like restaged Oklahoma. So it's a lot more, I will, I'll go with sinister and it's different than like the Rodgers and Hammerstein movie version that I don't know when it was filmed but it's been around you know forever like I watched it on VHS when I was a kid where it's like you know super happy like the villain is clearly Judd he's the only scary pop like there's no like really like critique of what's going on with Oklahoma statehood and like you know being like a seller nation and this new staging changes the emphasis of that you know Mary my sister was telling me like pretty much everything is like the same as I remember it but the context in which they put it in is just so different and actually I didn't get to go when it was in Durham, but I heard that audience members like walked out. They really? hated it so much. They had such a visceral reaction. And obviously, like the Little Mermaid, well, I won't go with Little Mermaid, cut that. But like Cinderella, like Cinderella, even though it adds like so much more like character work to the 2015 remake, clearly it's not like that big of a like emotional shift. <sighs> this is interesting to me that like, you know, depending on how you stage things, how lines are delivered, like the use of lighting, like even small tweaks in the lyrics, you can change the politics of something. Well, so there's an adaptation question here, right? Like there's, we can do a couple of things. We can go into like deep adaptation theory for, you know, English nerds like us but and film nerds. But I mean, even before going with that, just as a fan, what are you looking for in an adaptation? Are you looking for a completely faithful 
successful remake of the thing that you want before, in which case the question often often becomes why, right? Like, I don't even want to use the Disney ones. There was a big question when they remade RoboCop. Everybody goes like, why are they remaking RoboCop? The first movie is so good. Why would you make a new one that is worse in every way? And like, I understand that question, right? But I think that if you're remaking Cinderella, the original version of Cinderella, the animated version, while beautiful, while nostalgic, while everyone loves it, it's a super thin story. It's basically mm. the fairy tale. There's 30 seconds of plot in that movie. It, you know, and I get why if you're going to turn this into a live action thing, you want to flesh it out and you want to make them characters that do stuff. Right. Like I get the decisions that were made for that film, but also there are other things where if you try to adapt them, are you creating something that anybody wants? Because I said this in the call for comments to me, making Ariel black is interesting. Give me more of it. Make it part of the story invest me in it what does it mean to have this interracial relationship because really that's what the story is about she's a mermaid and he's human so it's a story about interracial Mm. relationships give me the allegory give me the metaphor and really push it and make it interesting i'm fine with that but i also understand why there is a certain segment of people who are you know we make fun of them but the the get woke go broke crowd their dollars spend just like my dollars right so i understand I might not respect them, but I understand that what they're paying for is they're paying for a live action thing of the version of the thing that they've imagined for 20 years. So if it doesn't look like that, I understand why they're mad because the alternative becomes something like Dumbo, right? Dumbo is a completely different story because the original story of Dumbo, super racist and <laughs> and kind of bad. And like, and you can't put the original Dumbo on screen in 2020, 2019, whatever year it was that came out, people would have revolted if you tried to like put that on screen. So they did something else. And the thing they did was something that nobody wanted. So then the question is, why does this exist other than you know for money and it didn't do all that well financially because no one wanted to see it i wonder if there's sort of a question here about remakes versus retellings and maybe using cinderella as at least what hannah and i seem to think is a more successful version with cinderella we have the disney movie obviously but there are so many other cinderella stories that people have maybe room in their brains for it to hit other beats because i mean in rewatching that live action cinderella it was drawing on a lot of the beats i feel like of ever after almost more Mm -hmm. than the like disney animated film so people like i don't know we're ready for some we're able to like have something a little bit different and for me at least as an audience member i'm bored by something that is the same but worse somehow yeah me too (laughs) so i i suspect that is what i did not watch it because i assumed this but i think that's what the lion king was the it's worse in every way it's worse in every way it is it is shot for shot the same movie except that since they did it like it's not even so much an uncanny valley problem they did everything they could to make those cgi animals look like real animals and therefore they're not expressive so it's it looks like real animals wandering around in africa slowly while lion king plays. <laughs> like that's like while the dialogue to lion king is playing 
and you hear the music and you know like okay look beyonce sings well she's really good at that that's kind of awesome maybe i'll just listen to the cd instead or pull her up on spotify because like because honestly, that's the one i most listened to while formatting my dissertation right. and i had no complaints about the sound but if you look at it it looks oh yeah it was very joyless it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks joyless and so it's there's just no like it's not a different story it's the exact same movie but with you ever see like those demos for uh, like for ai stuff that ai rendering packages where you can say show me this picture as anime show me this picture as disney princess show me this picture as comic book show me it as photorealistic it looks like that it looks like they put the filter on that changed them from cartoon disney animals to real life animals and then they were done and then they just reran it instead. So it's just the thing it was before, but worse in every way. That's what it is. And so you go, why? But on the other hand, it made like a billion dollars and I don't have a billion dollars. So what do I know? <laughs> I mean, like that, like, like, I, I guess, right? Like, isn't that, is there value in that? I don't know. Another question, like the thinking about the Lion King and I also watch slash had playing the Aladdin live remake mm-hmm. and that kind of reminded me actually that I saw the Aladdin musical on Broadway and that one was not as successful. I haven't seen the Lion King musical version mm-hmm. on Broadway but I hear it's great and I mm-hmm. I don't know if either of y'all seen it but I I've think that's it. the same story. I don't really think they changed the story at all but like they're doing something interesting with puppets so like people want to see that so that's like another form where Disney is retelling the same stories i mean and making plenty of money like their shows stay on broadway for a long time mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if like they're adding something there i'm kind of just throwing in another avenue of like remakes so do they the have to add something so here's here, the other thing that i'm seeing is like i see you know this happens i will qualify the mcu things as remakes they are adaptations right like if you read comic books you know how Infinity War is going to end because I read that comic 20 years ago. So I knew Thanos would snap his fingers and everybody would die because that's what happens. Now, Endgame is a largely original story, but Infinity War is very clearly an adaptation of that original book. The movie is probably better than the original comic book. It's different. There's similar things. But one of the complaints that people have is, well, yeah, but there were more people in the original. And it's like, that's true. I mean, it like so like the difference is like, what are you paying for? Because I think some people really do want to, you know, like it's all the complaints that how come the X-Men never wear comic book accurate ex- outfit, right? How come Ms. Marvel has the wrong power? She doesn't have her comic book power. She has she has light powers instead of stretchy powers like people Mm -hmm. want the thing that they want so isn't that the same i mean yes i'm ignoring the wokeness go brokeness (laughs) argument but i'm saying the people who are complaining that ms marvel's powers are wrong or that hey civil war in the comics has hundreds of characters and in the movie civil war is you know 12 characters right (laughs) like i like those people have a valid argument i guess but it's i mean But the answer to their questions is, well, we didn't have the money to do the thing that you want. So we did the cheaper thing and we knew we we knew you'd go see it anyway. So Mm -hmm. did it really matter? And I don't know that it does really matter. I don't know that it doesn't matter because sometimes sometimes it's not enough to just kind of give you a thing from the comic book with a property that you recognize, because sometimes you try to do that. And you get a Black Adam or a Shazam too, because which which, <laughs> which nobody wanted to. I mean, 
like those movies bombed, right? Like, I mean, like they, they did poorly financially. So there is a point when they get rejected. And I feel like remaking a cartoon into a movie is an adaptation in the exact same way as bringing a comic book to the movies. I mean, yes, I understand that there are technical differences, but I think mentally, culturally, the same thing happens for the viewer. It's just a different crowd. Well, to be fair, just as a side note, I really wanted to see Shazam 2. And then the reviews yeah, came out and I was like, well, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it did not, you know, it did not capture the imagination in a way. And I get that. Like that's because I love the first Shazam still. I, yeah. You know, I adore it. Right. So, I, OK, so I'll give you one that I, that I think that actually I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this because I think this counts as an adaptation still. And I know it's one that this is going to play on childhood nostalgia for Hannah and see how she answers it as an adult, just because I know you, right? What about modern Star Wars stuff? Because you read all those novels when you were a kid and now, you know, they're just there. There ain't no Ray in the earlier. Luke and Leia have different kids than they have in now. And Mara Jade, I know, is one of your favorite characters. She doesn't exist yeah. and all those things. So like, like you just kind of the they new exist. Like, okay. like I, I've, I've reached a point in my life where I can live a life where things just coexist. Like, I mean, I mean, how many Spider-Man adaptations do we have going at right. once? And that's amazing, right? Like, they're all like Andrew Garfield ones. I admit I didn't watch because like they they did. <laughs> seem too close and like I was mad about Spider-Man. I'm way too attached to Spider-Man. Okay. But, like but, but all these Spider-Man adaptations currently going are amazing. Like they're good. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, you can quibble about a few things with stuff like No Way Home, but like so like they're really enjoyable. They're good. They're fun. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much Spider-Man content. Same with Star Wars. And mm-hmm. yeah, like some characters disappeared, but you know what? I really like Ray and Poe and Finn are definitely yeah. together and we'll find out in like the mm-hmm. movie set in 15 years in the future. And I like, I mean, Oh, you know, I mean, you know how I feel about hand- it. Yeah. yeah you- <laughs> they mishandle some of the plots. Yes. Like rush too much. Yes. But I love the characters. I like some of the things they were doing. I think like, like Star Wars, some people have like pointed out for years, have a beautiful thing of taking like some of the like things that don't make sense and like giving them more depth later like i do not like the end of rogue one and think that some parts of the movie are a mess even though i, I like hate, the characters I hate the end of rogue one. You, you and i are but you and i are it we've had this discussion before yeah. on the air you I, and i hate the darth vader stuff and it doesn't belong there and i and you know don't add us because we know but, we know okay but yeah but, but like andor is so good and like some of the stuff i didn't like in Rogue One originally, like mm-hmm. if you listen to our Andor episode, you can hear me like recontextualizing it and saying, well, sure. okay, like here is like the thing that like, so I, you know, I know like some of the things I really liked when I was a kid will never make it to screen, but you know what? They don't need to, because also like some of the things I really liked as a kid were also like outdated mm-hmm. for, to some degree, or like someone else has another idea that can complement that. And like things can coexist and like, we can like learn from stuff and like recontextualize things and build on like what an author was doing or critique what an author was doing. And that's why the Hercule Perot adaptations by Kenneth Branagh are terrible by the way because he he does not understand why agatha christie is terrible and does not bother to update it or critique it in any meaningful way but instead tries to modernize it for audiences by adding like the stupidest 
possible action sequences where like but you have other hercule furrows that you oh yeah yeah oh and- no i just i just yeah yeah I'm just, yeah I'm all, well the moment i think it's like the books are like super racist and like yeah. an adaptation an adaptation of like the contemporary needs to grapple with that in my opinion but like they don't so mm-hmm. that's just what yeah but other people have enjoyed them i think i don't understand why for death on the nile at all but that's fine <laughs> the new one actually looks very interesting a haunting in venice so you know then that's just one person's opinion about oh. this random mystery novel yeah. but i mean so the thing with the Lerm- mermaid right again the complaint that people have and i'm gonna i'm gonna give i'm gonna give volume to it i'm gonna give air to it the people who who complain that like oh well she shouldn't be black you know what i mean first off tough you know (laughs) but uh, but also to the extent that it doesn't match the version in their head of you know little mermaid should look like a 14 year old Alyssa milano because that's what she was for they took a picture of Alyssa milano when she was 14 and they drew her as a redhead and that's what ariel is and you know what Alyssa milano is like 50 now so she or 40 something you know she's not gonna look like that it you aren't gonna get that moment back and like you said it can coexist because i people are like well why can't it be an original character that's not the original character either that's an adaptation hans christian anderson wrote the original little mermaid which probably most of the people who are complaining have never read many of them don't even know it exists you know if, <laughs> like if you read it or like ever hear like watch some sort of like actual adaptation of like mm-hmm. his version of the little mermaid it's dark. yeah it's you're not gonna like it yeah <laughs> well, if you're expecting if you're expecting i mean you might but if you're expecting like it ain't disney and <laughs> i'll say disney right. endings you're not right. gonna like it and- right it's not what you it's not what you imagine the little mermaid to be and so they already reimagined it so like i've not seen the new one yet but i imagine based on the reviews that i've seen and based on hannah's opinion whom i respect and like we, we don't have the exact same taste in movies but like I can sort of reconcile and predict how I might feel on something based on me knowing our different tastes. So I think I'll very much enjoy this new movie. But I also don't think that's going to mean that I stop watching the original cartoon. I watch them both because like I can do that. Right. <laughs> right? It's just and it's weird to me because I see people talking about, well, well, this I want this to be the Little Mermaid from when I grew up. And, you know, this is the new Little Mermaid for a new generation. No, it's not. They'll just have both. Like, it's not like it, it's not like I forget forget that toby mcguire used to be spider-man i've watched the toby mcguire spider-man movies since since tom holland's gotten the job i've watched the andrew garfield ones since tom holland's gotten the job you know what they exist so much that they made a whole movie that had all three of them in it because that's like part of the experience they're playing on the fact that people like seeing multiple interpretations of stuff and i don't understand why anybody has a problem with that you know, maybe because I'm a comic book reader, right? Like I'm a comic book reader and I know that Steve Ditko draws a different Spider-Man than John Romita Jr. does. And John Romita Jr. draws a different Spider-Man than John Romita Sr. does, right? Like, <laughs> like they're like, and Todd McFarlane has a different Spider-Man and they're all Spider-Man and I'm just kind of okay with that. So maybe that's why I'm okay with the fact that there's two little mermaids and I, I like them to be different. I don't want them to be the exact same because if they were the exact same, I wouldn't want to pay for it twice. Well, I mean, this is the thing with Bridget. Bridgerton I actually am remembering now had a huge controversy over season two mm-hmm. because like the plot beats are quite like like some of it's the same but the plot beats are quite different than the book mm-hmm. and book fans were like well, furious um, well, that like, well, they were getting the story 
There are book fans who were furious from the, why are the characters black all of a sudden in the <laughs> Yeah, well yeah. yeah. But they were furious it wasn't following the plot beats and like mm-hmm. the writer's answer was, well, it actually is very similar to the plot beats of season 1. So we didn't like want to do the same story over again. In fact, many of the British novels have the same like plot beats. <laughs> <laughs> Formulaic romance. We did a whole we did a whole episode. Well, you guys did a whole ep- I wasn't but I've heard it. There's a formula to romance novels that like if we made every season of a TV show the exact same in you know follow the exact same formula they wouldn't get seven seasons out of it which is what they're well, hoping to do <laughs> to just be super snobby for one second Todorov, who was a like genre theorist says that yeah. like genre is defined basically by hitting the same plot beats so like yes. this is not limited to romance if it oh, oh no 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 romance. Not, yes. I'm, yeah, I'm not absolutely. saying it to you Mav I'm yeah. saying it to <laughs> the one person who devalues romance who listens to this yes. show <laughs> but, yeah, same thing with, same thing for comic book store oh, well to yeah. by the same point people the thing where people are talking about do we have superhero fatigue well, I don't know that we have superhero fatigue so much as we have fatigue of watching the star fight somebody else who looks exactly like them. And then there's a sky beam. So, you know, we're trying to get away from that. <laughs> I mean, like, clearly, like, there's not superhero fatigue, given because that Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> yeah, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is doing super well. And like Spider-Man, Spider-Man across the well. Spider-Verse is like doing beyond expectations. Like, mm-hmm. I, I even do, you know, kind of, you know, admit myself. I do. I still think, Mav, that the top three su- summer movies may not all be superheroes at the domestic box office. But I mean, they're still popular. I mean, it's very like like Spider-Man just gets more and more popular with mm-hmm. each like movie in like the franchise that comes out. You know, pe- like I mean, how many Batmans have been made? And yeah. like Robert mm-hmm. Pattinson's The Batman did super well. So people like right. the same character. In fact, not just like superheroes, but people like have like their favorites i say as someone with a deep personal favorite to the point that like i'm pretty sure peter parker like has shaped my personality in a strange way i've loved (laughs) him so much speaking as a children's literature scholar and i'm also teaching a class this summer on the golden age of children's literature i feel like they're trying to like balance nostalgia for the adult viewers that have some version of the story that is the one that they remember and also wrote children into like their first version so like one of the books that i taught last week was peter pan which that book is super messed up do not recommend yeah (laughs) but also like all of my students had a version of peter pan that was the one that they knew that then they were going back and comparing to the book as we were reading it and then we're like wait Mm -hmm. this is not what i thought it was but like the version of peter pan that was like the one that they pictured was different for i mean not for all of my students but like for a number of them well yeah because there's the disney one there's the oh maybe the one with jeremy sumter that was like another like one there's like more for the i so I, I was assuming they'd all think the Disney one, but I guess the Disney one isn't like there's been so many in the last couple of decades that maybe well, they summer ooh. like, yeah. you, know, you know, the deep irony of this podcast is that we're like, I don't know, about 30, 40 minutes in depending on editing. And we've talked about the Little Mermaid and a couple of the other remakes specifically for Disney. But actually this year on Disney Plus, there was Peter Pan and Wendy, Peter and Wendy. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. that was released and uh, like, you know, starring like Jude Law's like Captain Hook. So like. Like, you know, it had like a star attached to it. And like, not only did very few people watch it, but it like has both pretty terrible critical ratings and like audiences don't seem thrilled by it for the people who actually like watch it. In fact, it has a 11 mm-hmm. percent audience score on the tomato meter. And I mean, Rough. maybe there's yeah. like. 
some sort of like review thing that I don't know, but like, no, I, it, I, it's not, it, this is one where it seems like legitimately people just hate it. Now it's doing okay with, it's not doing, it's fresh with critics. It's got a 62. It's not doing great. It's doing okay. But just, I, you know, I read a lot and I watch a lot of fan reaction videos on YouTube. I check out Reddit. People are not, and I've not watched it yet. I actually, it's on my list. I want to see it. People do not seem pleased with it. <laughs> it is not going over well. I didn't know it was that low, but it, yeah, but 11, 11 is, <laughs> and I don't think it's like, a. I don't think this is a situation where people are like, where people are like, I hate Brie Larson, you know, or I hate Kathleen Kennedy, which is a thing that happens. Right. Like you have to mm-hmm. even when people review bomb stuff for the for when like when people review bomb a Brie Larson movie because they're dude bros who are super organized in their misogyny, they tank something by 10 points. Like it's actually really hard to get a movie down to an all that's low. <laughs> like a lot of times people when they have low scores like that, they try to blame it on that. So an example here is when they did when Wonder Woman 1984 came in super low. Like there was a point where where they were trying to say, well, you know, it's it's the misogynist. It's like, no, you, they, they're not that powerful. <laughs> 11's low. <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't remember how low 1984 got, but Wonder Woman 1984 didn't even get to an 11. And that was people trying to take it for misogyny and also people who like movies about women also didn't like that movie. <laughs> so. I did not like that movie. And I really wanted to because I want to support everything Pine does, which I feel like is a dangerous thing to want given <laughs> I don't know him as a human. But yeah. So so it so with people review bombing Wonder Woman 1984, it came in at 73%. So it's hard. Not re- 11. <laughs> not 11. Yeah. Seven, it's still got a 73%. It does not belong. I mean, I... It, that movie's horrible. I hate that movie. And the critic meet point is only 58% on that. So it's only four points worse than, than Peter and Wendy, which is a 62. So, you know, people didn't like Peter and Wendy. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. It's real low. Well, I haven't seen it either, but I do wonder for, so like thinking about then retelling stories or remaking maybe there is a difference between retelling and remaking because with retelling i maybe expect maybe a better balance between hitting like the nostalgia things but telling enough of a new story to keep me interested Mm. but remaking suggests more of the like shot for shot thing so like with the lion king i would call that a remake but with the 2015 cinderella i would almost call that more of a retelling I don't know if that's an arbitrary distinction I'm making. I, well, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, I, I guess probably it is, but I think that there's still value in it, right? Like, I, because I'm thinking now, one of the examples that I thought of that I didn't talk that much about it, but I mentioned in the blog, Star is Born. There are four different mm-hmm. theatrical versions. I've seen them all. I think they all have value for different reasons, but they are all very different. But they are largely the exact same story each time. And I, you know, I, th- I think there's, I guess that they're remakes in the sense that you mean right now. I mean, like, I think people bring their own sensibility to it. Or, okay, what about another example? I, I said the, the Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet, which is my absolute favorite version of Romeo and Juliet. And I've seen hundred versions. I mean, I've read the book. I've seen the play acted in real life. I've seen countless adaptations of it. The Lerman version with the Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes version is my absolute favorite, but it is the dialogue is direct from Shakespeare and then it's just visually weird. So is that a remake or a retelling? I wonder if that's almost 
more a question of updating and i feel like and i'm using updating very loosely here but mm-hmm. like with romeo plus juliet they're they are like actively updating the setting in an interesting way like they mm-hmm. did it to update the setting whereas yes. like i feel with a lot of the disney remakes when they quote unquote update them they're not doing it to update them in an interesting way they're updating them just enough to pass muster with like the way that social norms right. have changed mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they'll put josh gad in as a nebulously gay character in the background which is what <laughs> happened for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but I, I will say that like I think that the Romeo plus Juliet example is like kind of close to the Oklahoma example I mm-hmm. mentioned at the top of the hour because it's technically like the same in terms of dialogue but like how you contextualize that dialogue okay. changes everything you know like I, I think that like I'm I'm no Shakespearean but I feel like there, there are actually loads of like examples of this like Shakespeare has been staged or like they change the setting for like something like King Lear or mm-hmm. Cleopatra. Anthony and Cleopatra. I don't remember my Shakespeare titles. <laughs> and so like I, I think that this is actually like pretty a pretty common thing that maybe we don't see super often in the movies. Or maybe yeah. we do. And I just can't think of any examples. Have either of you seen Private Romeo? No. I've heard Pri- you mention it. Yeah. Private Romeo is my second favorite version of Romeo and Juliet, which is it is Romeo and Juliet yet happening in an all boys military academy in the don't ask don't tell era so, so it's literally the plot of romeo and Ju- juliet with the shakespearean dialogue but everyone's male and it's 2006 <laughs> that, that's the plot and it's just like they so they're wandering around and they're guys and they speak in the shakespearean english and they speak couplets to each other and it gives a whole new contextual, you know, layer to the story because you're talking about a forbidden love that's not forbidden because they have families that are that don't accept each other. The love is now forbidden because they're both male and it's a military academy. So I think that's even more so of what Hannah's talking about, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's weird because it even more so than the DiCaprio version, it comes across as awkward because there's a cognitive dissonance of about it because they're playing basketball, but speaking the words to Romeo and Juliet, right? It's bizarre. Like when Tybalt and Romeo are arguing over a basketball game, <laughs> so, but like using their original dialogue. So things like that become just bizarre in a way that like even the Lerman version is not bizarre. But I also think that bizarreness is sort of the point hmm. of the film. But I guess no one's seen it. Everyone should watch it. I think it's still on Netflix. It used to be. <laughs> if you've not seen Private Romeo, I highly recommend. But I don't know. I mean, why are we so tied up in the Disney ones? Because we've, you know, and I think we are right. Like we've talked about adaptations before a lot. We've talked about, you know, why do people. <laughs> OK, so here's one. People hated the all female reboot of Ghostbusters. And I. Some people hated it because it was, you know, it's all women and therefore bad. Right. But also other people hated it just because it wasn't the Ghostbusters that everyone knew and loved. But it's largely the same story as the original Ghostbusters. It's just, you know, they just redid that movie they'd done before. And you go, huh, it's that again. And then Ghostbusters Afterlife. Also, even though it's technically a sequel, kind of not kind of just the same story again. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so like, I guess uh, I don't know. Why is it with the Disney ones? Everyone gets really hung up on it because is it just that like the childhood nostalgia, like there's a robbing of the childhood that's implicit in it because you literally watched the movie the first time when you were a actual child and it was aimed directly if, at you. If it's kind of like a, if the nostalgia there is almost more of a double edged sword because they mm. are trying to use it to get you to come see it, but they're not doing I guess a like, quote unquote good enough job to then like pay off that sort of like, give a payoff to that kind of nostalgia. But also mm. like, I don't know. I also wonder if I'm just not the audience for these anymore in a way that like maybe I was 10 years ago when I cared more about Disney and mm-hmm. like children's literature more well, than I do no, now. Right. None of us are. Cho- none of us are little children and none of us have kids or in your children's lit scholar. But that also, you know, you know, that's also sometimes a negative, right? It makes it mm-hmm. when something's in your area. It makes it it's hard for me to just I can't watch a superhero movie and not do the scholar thing. I just can't. So I don't even try anymore. Like when I'm watching Spider-Man, I'm thinking about, oh, OK, well, that's an interesting like, why do they make that beat? How am I going to write an essay about this? I've got to I've got to do a conference in uh, on Spider-Man in like, you know, three months. How am I going to tie this movie in? <laughs> like yeah, the, the reason I feel like I need to see The Little Mermaid is to write about how they updated it with, in right. relation to consent. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, part of it becomes like I can't turn that part of my brain off. But like, that's not normal people. Right. Like, I think yeah. normal people are I think normal people. And by the way, I'm not disparaging normal people here. I'm disparaging us. I think people who don't have that problem still are having problems with the concept of Disney remakes or they're being excited about the little mermaid because they're like no this one's good you know this one's not soulless you're like yeah i mean you you remember why i threw a fit about the lion king being remade yeah like i'm pretty sure i yeah i just was like so like i was like what could they possibly like bring to this money they just it was nothing yeah, about money I know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> It was, but that's what it was right? a good cast too. I, well, and I think that's why something like the Lion King remake is almost sad because the cast for that was really good. It was a really strong yep. cast, so it mm-hmm. was like a waste of resources almost. <laughs> also, my mm-hmm. podcast co- co-host Ayani wanted me to pass on her rage at the Lion King remake. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, I think that like some of these could have been super interesting. I will admit I haven't seen the Mulan remake for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But like Mulan was like, like like the Mulan Disney version diverged pretty heavily from what I understand from like some of the like original like classic myth. Text. I mean, yes. The, cla- the classic myths. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. there there was like, you know, there there were different stories that could have been told with that that like have nothing to do with the Disney version in the same way that the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid has very little to do with the Disney version, although maybe not in interesting ways with this new live action version. I drop that hint and then you'll go mm-hmm. see it and be like, yeah, okay, Hannah. Anyway, but like th- th- there could have been something there. Like, I think even when people heard that Mulan was being remade, they kind of defended it saying, well, yeah, like th- there's more here as opposed to like, you know, like it hasn't even been made yet. And like people are ra- actually two things are have not even been remade yet. And people are raging over Lilo and Stitch and oh. the live action Moana. M- I thought you were going to say Moana. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the Moana one, I think is super interesting because I've got because of the age of the students that I teach, you know, like um, my students are college age. 
So they typically, most of them are between 17-ish years old and 23-ish years old. You know, that's the bulk of the range, probably mostly between 18 and 22. And I taught an introduction to pop culture this semester. So it's not a freshman class. So you're probably a junior if you're in that class, maybe a sophomore, but it's a cultural studies class. So I've got 20-year-olds and I didn't bring it up. They brought up the remake to Moana when the news of that dropped. And this is a class with 30 kids in it who were livid. <laughs> They're furious because uh, like at the very idea of of this happening, because these are 30 people who are between uh, 18 and 22 years old, who this original movie is seven years old. The original Moana eight and so for these kids, this was the first time their childhood had ever been pillaged for content. <laughs> and it really is like when they remake a Little Mermaid, that is a movie. The original movie came out before they were born. The original Cinderella came out before their parents were born, right? Like, mm-hmm. Or before their grandparents were even born. These are classic things. So whatever, it's just it might as well be remaking Shakespeare. It might as well be because because it doesn't matter. It's such a thing from the past that even if they enjoy the original Cinderella or the original Mermaid or the original Ghostbusters or Spider-Man, right? Like even if they enjoy those things are ubiquitous. But Moana is a movie that was for them from a little while ago. <laughs> and it just feels to them. It feels like such a betrayal because like it's like it's going to star the rock again. He looks exactly the same as he did when he made the first one, you know, six years ago. And it just feels so fresh to them. And they were, I mean, n- no one. And if, or if they were excited, no one wanted to admit it. It was a room full of 30 something students who were all somebody brought it up and then everybody was just like, yes. And they were furious in a way that, I mean, to me, it was just like a, Hey, here's another cynical remake. Of course they're going to do it because money and Dwayne needs a hit. So I understand why (laughs) I understand why this is happening. But for them, there was such ile and fury that like, I don't know how this is going to work. I mean, because I don't because they should be the prime audience for it. And they're not at least judging by a randomly selected group of pit students. <laughs> I wonder if part of it is that so many of them have been bad or at least enough of them like, yeah, maybe. yeah. Cause like I was excited about, I was excited enough about the beauty and the beast remake and then was like kind of disappointed by that one. But like mm-hmm. I li- liked the Cinderella one and then like the Aladdin one, I was even more disappointed by Ugh. so mm-hmm. much that I like forgot I had seen it. And then <laughs> like at that point, I just let, like, I don't have expectations for them to even be better than like an airplane movie at this point so like if they had a history of being good or something that i find entertaining then maybe i would be more excited about them but they're just not they're just kind of flat yeah Mm -hmm. i can name two i enjoyed like of like the ones that came out since cinderella to be clear i like 101 dimensions but i like cinderella very clearly and i really like the little mermaid and like everything else in between i even forgot some of these existed like mav keeps reminding me that dumbo was a remake and i keep telling him every time that well it doesn't matter there was never an audience for dumbo anyway in the same way there was for like beauty and the beast even though i didn't think it was i thought it was like watchable but like i didn't think it was particularly good and i thought that like aladdin was kind of hilariously like painful in way in that like they sort of knew what they needed to update to like 
make it more progressive and then they just did it bad like they talk about like (laughs) these things like they they like you know just to take like the simplest example but not the most important necessarily jasmine like they wanted to give her more agency so they gave her a song about not being silent and the internet's favorite joke anytime it comes up is then she's like immediately kidnapped after she sings that song like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah okay I'm going to link in the show notes, Dan Murrow, one of my favorite film critics. He did just his video for last week because, you know, SE and the algorithm on YouTube was he gave his ranking of all the live action Disney remakes. And he he gave what he qualified as a Disney remake in live action because he, you know, he counts the 101 Dalmatians in it because it is a direct. It is a direct remake, even though it's not in the current cycle of them. He does count that Mm -hmm. and he counts Lion King, but he doesn't count, for instance, 102 Dalmatians because 102 Dalmatians is largely a completely separate movie than the book sequel to like they're not related in in any way, shape or form. Does he do anything with Maleficent and like Cruella? Because that's like the other part yes, of like this we count, have talked about. He counts Maleficent. He does not count Maleficent too because he counts Maleficent because he says that Maleficent, which he, by the way, he likes Maleficent. And so do I really adore that movie. But he says that it is the same story as Sleeping Beauty, but from the villain's point of view, since it hits all those story beats and you see more of the story, he says he sees it as a remake of this thing that reimagines it and recontextualizes it and not like Maleficent 2, which is just a continuation of the same story. He does not count Cruella because Cruella is too much of a prequel and also quite possibly an alternate universe. It doesn't really match the storyline of 101 Dalmatians. So Cruella, he doesn't count, but he does count Maleficent. So which is an interesting take this is only tangentially related to remakes but i was also just reminded that like i watched the whole thing and enjoyed the once upon a time show oh yes yeah (laughs) i liked that i feel like that is the closest adaptation to like a truly like sinister peter pan which i feel like is a novel that we've ever gotten 100 (laughs) percent And people love, like, I mean, eventually, like, it lost audience and people said it went off the rails, which, I mean, kind of fair. But people, like, really liked, like, Once Upon a Time. And it was, like, a direct adaptation of the Disney stuff. Like, it was, was, like, Disney's, like, you know, characters, like, Frozen in particular. Like, Like, there was a big, you know, internet, like, what? When, like, the, I think it was, like, the season three, season two finale when, like, Elsa comes out of the bottle. Spoiler alert for an old show, I I guess like like the, these were like Disney characters. I kind of wonder like if centering it around the like Snow White charming family like helped get people in because that is also like a very empty cartoon. Like it's really important historically, mm-hmm. and like I'm not gonna lie and say I didn't enjoy it as a kid, but like there's no story. There, there's nothing to that movie. <laughs> honestly, like almost all I remember from that movie is just hi ho and like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, there's nothing to the it is a nothing movie. It's lovely, but I mean it's another one where you if you put your analytic brain on, you're like, there's just nothing here. There's no content. It's empty so it can be filled with other things and people won't get mad right. at it. The, oh, maybe, yeah. Well, what I was wondering is, and we touched on this briefly, but I want to, you know, I want to talk about it in a little more depth before we end. All the Disney things, right, not all, most of the classic Disney, because I don't know that, you know, they've, they've got some original stories. 
but all the classics that people really adore, they're remakes anyway, right? Like Cinderella is an adaptation of a classic fairy tale. Little Mermaid is an adaptation of a classic fairy tale or, you know, Hans Christian Anderson. It's a short story. I wouldn't, I don't know if it qualifies as a fairy tale or not, but it doesn't matter, right? Like they're already doing this. So there's a little bit of the, when the kids are like, oh, but this is raping my childhood, you know, but it already was, you know, it was already a story that like your great, great, great grandparents had listened to in the 1700s, you know, <laughs> like this is so I don't maybe it doesn't scale the same way, but like it's weird because why are we mad? Not we, but why are people mad that that doesn't match the original Little Mermaid when the original Little Mermaid is not the original Little Mermaid, right? <laughs> you know, like like the Disney Little Mermaid is a remake of a story. It's one interpretation. So why be beholden to a classic that wasn't the original anyway? I mean, for some people, Disney has so captured their imaginations about what a fairy tale is and like mm-hmm. what a romance is. Like like to the point that like, you know, there there are certain conservatives who like use like the Disney like fairy tale man woman heterosexual relationship to like like explain like what marriage is or like use it for their little memes and like it's you know Disney's the bad well Disney's the bad guys to to the conservatives now at least for one of them can we point out can we point out where Corinne lives just so just for the listener because I love from Florida (laughs) that joke matters more you you understand the uh, yeah 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 like I mean like people get married at Disney before Disney plus Um, decided to like purge it's like Vault but catalog, I don't know. And like delete chose to like, you know, they purge save the catalog. Money. Things are back in the vault now. Yeah. But the purge the like the purge the cat before they purge the catalog, they had like Disney fairy tale weddings on Disney Plus. And yes, I did watch like two episodes of it just to like mess with Josh. Because like you know, it's like you turn on say yes to the dress just to see what'll happen. What usually happens is Josh kind of gets into it and it's kind of funny, but he's never <laughs> So there's literally like a Disney princess wedding dress line where you can like dress up as like Tiana or Belle or whomever. And, you know, like how many little girls have Disney princess parties and, you know, like no, no matter like what your gender, like so many of us grew up watching these things. So like in a way that like, you know, not everybody goes to the library and checks out the fairy tale collection of quote unquote original stories and like reads them and they're like dark, violent like scary like philosophical stuff like nerds do that and i say that because i was the one checking out the green fairy tale book and the blue fairy tale book when i was a kid and being horrified whenever it didn't work out i didn't realize that fairy tales didn't necessarily have happy endings no because like they all do on disney yeah oh wow i'm just now i'm just wondering what if they remake cinderella or any of them and then use the actual dark endings <laughs> what happens <laughs> like wouldn't it be great if you made like a live action cinderella and people are like cutting their feet off and stuff <laughs> do that in the into the woods movie yeah that's true but oh. it doesn't feel disney yeah yeah and disney like 
kept most of it, but they toned it down when they adapted to what's also a great role for Chris Pine. Mm. <laughs> but all, also, like, I realized one one thing we haven't talked about, one remake this year that might be the most hated remake by both critics and audience, scoring only like a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, and coincidentally, our number one draft pick, from Katia. Oh um, God, yes, blood and honey. Oh, yes, Winnie Pooh, blood and honey. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Katia only cares about this game from in Katia logic. It was. <laughs> I respect her for picking that first so much. Like I cannot uh, overstate how much I respect Katia's first round draft selection of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. But yeah, <laughs> like, it, could been, it could have been the most sleeper hit potential of all if it had done so well. But like yeah. people, if you want to talk about someone literally like violently like like tearing apart your childhood, this movie is apparently that. And like all all the like complaints sound very like i mean much more like so much more because it's again only three percent or so on rotten tomatoes maybe it's gone up to five i don't know but i read the reviews because i was like oh i mean i expected it to not like do well but like i didn't know it would be like an almost zero yeah like it's literally three percent like all the reviews are like you know like it's like it, it should have been informed by like passion for like original characters but like they just wanted to like put them in a gruesome context it's like you know so bad like really it like destroys like everything about who it's like it's grotesque it's horrific like it's just it was just like a money maker and like they're gonna and like the the people who made this are gonna make more like twisted gruesome fairy tales to which is to your point Mav like not exactly the same as like just adapting like the original of like feet being cut off or eyes being pecked out by birds or like you know becoming a sea spirit or something but there is like this like horror from the fairy tales being brought back which also Mm -hmm. once upon a time kind of did except it had a happy ending well blood and honey i mean the the team that made that is just like these are public domain and i can do whatever i want so ever i want and that's what that is so i wonder if there's a difference there between the like i feel like i'm more interested in a fairy tale version of that because it's there in the quote unquote source text, whereas like with mm-hmm. the Golden Age children's literature text like Winnie the Pooh, even like Alice, Peter Pan, well, although Peter is fairly sinister. Mm-hmm. The other one we did was The Wizard of Oz. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I'm vaguely interested in it when they're playing up something that was and maybe this is some a place where like I maybe do have a little bit of like fidelity criticism in like my brain but like Mm -hmm. mostly and maybe we are sort of undervaluing how much people care about fidelity when they haven't been like trained out of it in the way we think about adaptation because i very much trained my brain to be like i don't care if it's exactly shot for shot like the book Mm -hmm. that is being adapted i want you to take what's there and do something interesting with it but i guess i do also want to still see the seeds of like what's what was there i can connect this maybe for you but also probably not ever they probably didn't care the christopher robin (laughs) movie the disney made which actually Mm -hmm. was very good and very sad is about like you know christopher robin growing up and kind of leaving like the way the Pooh characters behind but like not exactly and way the Pooh blood and honey could be arguably and i guess i'm accidentally making a disney copyright case for them after an ad- adaptation of that because like it's way the Pooh and the you know other characters being abandoned by christopher robin and then they go on a killing spree yeah <laughs> which also feels like very much like a, a horrible like alternative ending to toy story 3 you know while you know while i'm you know just ruining our childhoods 
So we've resolved. Before you give people nightmares. I do. I Before we go, I do want to point out that I was let, halfway through this episode. I was like, have we done this before? And we haven't exactly. But episode 32 is called Reboots, Remakes, and Revivals. Yeah. So we're now remaking our own show. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> I, oh, I, I'm not mad No, I mean, <laughs> if you go back, and I still haven't had a chance to listen, but last week's show was a talking about fast X and I very intentionally did not re-listen to the fast nine show before recording the fast X show because I wanted to see if I would have even remotely the same feelings. <laughs> so, you know, different day. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered like it, what would happen if we like, you know, cause we've been doing this forever now. Mm-hmm. If we went back and we picked a topic from one of our earlier shows and we just redid it and even, or, and, or changed the guests and like what, how the conversation will have changed because sometimes I listen to those older shows. And I'm like, who was this person? She knew things <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> or, no, well, it's always to me. It's always more fascinating when when our sensibilities have changed because of either you've grown as a person or someone that we might be talking about has milkshake ducked themselves. The one that always stands out to me is there is an episode that just kind of randomly came up when I had my phone just playing podcasts. Sometimes I have my phone just play podcasts that are on my, you know, on my phone while I'm doing something else. So maybe it's a show that I listen to like friends show. Maybe it's just our show. You know, it could be anything. Right. And an episode came up where Hannah gives an impassioned defense of Army Hammer. No, I did not. I, about it. I, know, I know, but it was no, I know, no, you were, but it was before Wait, we yeah. knew. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very clearly. And I, and I was just like, wow, this aged real poorly. Yeah. And I just I loved it. But yeah, so yeah. we've been doing the show a long time. <laughs> Which is why I say it's a dangerous proposition to be excited <laughs> about Chris Pine. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> he appears to be lovely as far as we know. Yes. yes. <laughs> but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, because, you know, yeah. So, yeah, I would like to die now. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Corinne, thank you for joining us. This was fun. Yeah, you're- this is a nice break from everything else I have going on. <laughs> well, you're always welcome to come in anytime you, you know that. Uh, where can people find you? You have a show of your own. <laughs> yeah, you can hear me monthly-ish on the podcast <laughs> Sex Love Literature. We just did an episode on the Netflix show Queen Charlotte that mm-hmm. is available. And then we just recorded an episode on the Netflix show Sex Education, where we talk a lot about <sighs> consent, which I'm very excited for that to come out as soon as Aeon finishes editing it. But you can find the social media accounts for that podcast that I mostly get in fights with people about K dramas on <laughs> at Sex Love Lit on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, when is the last time you watched an American television show? Probably Sex Education for the podcast. (laughs) For listeners who have not heard the show before, like (laughs) if I understand correctly, you were not a fan of K dramas before starting your podcast, right? Like that just that was a new love that happened sort of accidentally. Yeah. So I started watching K dramas in the summer of 2020 for you know reasons like not being able to leave my house yeah which is about concurrently with when we started the podcast so when we started the pod oh gosh our first episode which is a mess 
is on the first season of Who's the Great. Mm-hmm. And then it was shortly after that. that and then our second episode was on CW, the CW show Roswell. And then I started watching K-dramas right. and stopped watching American things. Except <laughs> when Ayani makes me. Although I do want to watch the third season of The Great as soon as I finish my dissertation. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, everybody should check out her show. It's great. Yeah, it's I'm, very good. Yeah. And Hannah and I have both been on it. So speaking of, Hannah, anything you'd like to plug? You can give to the National Network of Abortion Funds because abortion rights are being attacked all the time. And some people may ha- be losing theirs in July because they now live in a state where Republicans were able to override their governor's veto. I thought you might do that. I was, I was, I was wondering, is she going to plug the thing that she always plugs or is she going to plug Lowe's or Home Depot, which you might have your own deal with? Um, <laughs> no. So if someone like if someone's thinking and I doubt anyone listening to the show is thinking this, if someone's thinking, I want to get Hannah a housewarming gift. What can I get her? The person Lumber. on the Internet was right. I just want Lowe's gift cards. <laughs> yes. <absolutely. laughs> I totally that. I have to go in tomorrow and buy a shingle under underlayer because I'm you know rebuilding the roof of my garage so anyway as always you can follow me on twitter or instagram or facebook all the places always at chris maverick you can follow the show all those same places except instagram because they're bastards anyway it's most of those places at vox podcast you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. And you can leave us comments on this or any other show. You can suggest topics or say anything. And sometimes we pick guests for the show from people commented. So you should do that. Uh, If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, not just a rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that boosts the algorithm, makes us more popular, really helps us out, makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And also, I've learned that it also helps people with other podcasts that we're connected to. So, like, literally, write us a review, then go write Corinna review on her show, and it makes both (laughs) of our shows more popular because people are going to be like, hey, people who like Sex, Love, and Lit also like Box Popcasts. It's a very useful thing. So, Go do that. We'd really appreciate it. I would like to thank Maximilian of ThoughtForm Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Corinne for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.